Hey there, podcast listeners. Since the time of recording this episode, we've changed our name to be Truest Leadership Institute. You can learn more about this podcast and about the Truest Leadership Institute by visiting us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. And now, back to the episode. We're back with Dr. Patrick Gallagher and Dr. Chris Smith to learn more about employee engagement surveys and exactly how we can leverage them to make meaningful change. I'm also going to ask the question, what about those ping pong tables and those fully stocked fridges? We see even sleeping pods at some organizations. Do those actually work? Let's rejoin the conversation and find out. What we do is we give leadership a sort of a detailed picture of here's what's going on in your organization. So team by team or, you know, strata by strata, when you're talking about generations or maybe tenure or things like that, uh, we say here are the engagement levels and here are the drivers that are kind of more active or more important for these different groups. And from that, we build uh, some action recommendations about here's what the leadership or managers can do to improve these conditions. We do a census survey of everybody in the organization. We don't get 100% response rate, but the survey instrument reveals information about employees on average. So within this team, within this division, within this geographical area, the average employee feels like this, and these are the drivers that are going to be most affected. Now, of course, it comes down to when managers are have a relationship with individual employees, the strength of that relationship is a huge key to improving and maintaining good engagement. But what we provide leadership is, yeah, kind of a roadmap about here's what everything looks like. Here are the buttons you can press or the levers you can pull that the data say are going to have the biggest impact for your organization. If an organization is experiencing, let's say, high turnover, one of the things that's popular has been in the last five years is to get like a game room and get a pool table, a little air hockey table, and they're like, go and enjoy the game room. But that, I think over time, just anecdotally, I've noticed that that does not always work. Sometimes, sometimes it does, but more often than not, a game room or a fully stocked fridge or things like that don't really work. Yeah, we... So we, we think of the ways that you can invest in engagement. We, we think of two general categories. They can be policies or they can be perks. And perks are what you just uh, kind of described. So things that you can just kind of buy and, and, and give, you know, supply for your employees, like free snacks or, uh, yeah, like a, a game table somewhere. Those are perks. And, those can do good things. Those can have good effects. They can, they can boost positive energy, positive emotions. They can bring people together who aren't normally together. You know, people who just work in different parts of a building, they never really see each other, but those kind of social spaces can bring people together. However, perks alone are probably not going to have a deep or a sustained impact on engagement. We, we try to advise our leaderships don't don't fall into the trap of relying on perks to improve engagement. And we, we, that's important because a lot of leaders we see, and this may come from sort of more traditional approaches to engagement, that it's just, uh, well, you know, people got to have fun at work or people got to feel, feel better at work. Um, so an easy fix for that is, yeah, put, you know, let them play some games. 
again, it's a perk and it's, it's sort of superficial. It can have good, it could, can have good effects and it can also serve as a signal of your culture. So if your culture really does include, uh, you know, sort of the freedom to unwind a little bit, uh, to have a little more fun and that, that managers and leadership care about how people feel at work, if, if those perks serve as sort of a symbol of those things, then they can be positive. But policies, on the other hand, they can often be harder to change. They can be, they can be harder to build and they can, they can be more of an investment than just like a sort of a one-time outlay. So an example of a policy is, let's say, uh, you, you learn some things about how to have better relationships and leadership wants to facilitate that among managers. A policy that would support that is to actually write it into sort of HR guidelines, uh, official company documents that give managers guidelines about here's what you should cover when you meet with your employees for annual reviews or semi-annual reviews, or obviously that should not be the only time that you meet with employees. So another example of a policy is monthly meetings. So managers, you are required to, to meet with employees monthly. And here are the guidelines. Here are the things you need to check off when you have that meeting. So that's an example of encoding something in a policy. I can see leaders out there thinking, what a project that would have to be to get that going in, in my company. You have to bring the right people together. You have to have some planning sessions. You have to, uh, you know, write the policies so that they follow necessary regulations or whatever it is. And then you have to sort of push it through the organization. This can be a, this can be a year or two year long project, especially for a bigger organization. But that's the investment that needs to be made to have uh, a deep and sustained impact on engagement because you're building a culture and you're encoding in the sort of the DNA of the company. This is how we approach human relationships. Uh, one of our corporate clients recently had a, a great example of, in, uh, of instituting this kind of a policy. They uh, switched their, their mid-year review policy to include touching on purpose and meaning. So managers are encouraged not to sort of go down a checklist uh, you know, of, of performance goals or performance ratings or sort of numerically, you know, categorizing employees uh, at this meeting. What this meeting needs to be about is, of course, if there is some kind of uh, some major behavioral or or performance issue, uh, managers are are instructed to address that. But otherwise, talk about meaning, talk about purpose. What what is the employee feeling about uh, how their purpose aligns with the corporate purpose? How are they feeling about how they're progressing in their career? And just cultivate that personal relationship a little bit. That is, that is now on the books as an official policy at, at this client's organization. And we see that as a real genuine investment in employee well-being, which is obviously going to, uh, improve relationship on average, it's going to improve relationships that managers have with their employees. And it's going to lead to payoffs through employee engagement, higher productivity, and all those outcomes that uh, that engagement leads to. They wanted to develop a culture of we invest in our associates. We want them to find and have meaning and purpose. And instead of just saying, okay, that's what we believe and that's what we want, they created this policy 
that really helped drive that home at all levels of the organization. That's right. That that policy really shows an investment. It's not just leadership talking about it on a video and then just, okay, everybody watch the video. Mm-hmm. Now that's important. Obviously that's a great way to communicate, but like you said, it's, it's not just saying it. Leadership models it and has encoded it in this policy. That's right. I'm also struck by the consistency of it because I've had great managers who, you know, have worked for an organization and nobody has had that conversation with me, but this one manager that I worked with had that conversation and it went wonderfully well by creating it as a policy. It ensures that that best practice is occurring for every associate. So it's not just even, you know, I say to my friend who maybe works in the other department, this is the great conversation that I had. And that associate is sad because their manager has never had that conversation with them. Now we're have everybody's having that great experience, that investment experience. That's right. And, and any employee, any leader, any manager, any member of the organization, not only can point to leadership talking about these things, they can point to an actual experience they had, an actual policy on the books that captures the, the, the corporate, the group, the organization's stance on here's what we think of personal relationships. Here's how important we think it is to talk about things like meaning and purpose. Everybody can point to that and say, this is, this is part of our culture. And there, there's no doubt about it that it's a, it's a tangible, uh, an actual part of the DNA. A lot of leadership, I can't tell you how many times we've been in a room with with leaders who just say, you know, we, they're struggling to figure out. I just, I don't know how to get people to do this. I don't know how to bake this into our culture. I don't know how to turn from where we've been historically to where we need to go with this this kind of soft concept. Encoding it in a policy is a, is a great way for it to be unambiguous. Everybody knows they're pointing to this. Hey, this is what our company believes in. This is what we do. This is how we treat people. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And it's a, it's, it's a great way to, um, to realign a culture or to, uh, to redirect a culture. It's also a good way to empower those leaders and teach those leaders how to develop those skills. Uh, a lot of, a lot of leaders, particularly leaders that have been more task focused and maybe they're new leaders. They just don't have the skill set or the experience or the knowledge to know how to develop those relationships. So if you just say to people, you should develop these strong relationships with your people, that's helpful, but it doesn't really give them the tools. And, and, and in Patrick's example, by creating a policy with very specific guidelines on, on how to have those conversations, you're also having a direct impact on, on those lower level leaders effectiveness and, and their leadership development, because you've said, this is how you do it. And they'll see the positive outcome and that'll reinforce the behavior. And then they'll start to do it on their own. But if you don't give them that sort of roadmap or that how to guide at first, they might not get there. So Patrick, I've always been really interested in your work because I know that, I know that you have created this engagement survey that we, that is available through the leadership Institute. But I know that the differentiator for us is not so much that we have a survey because a lot of people have a survey. The differentiator has always been that relationship that the organization gets with you and your team 
that says, okay, so these are your results, and now what? And you help guide them through that process. Can you tell me about more about that? Yeah, we. So when we when we do an engagement study with a client, we call it a study because it's not. We don't just send out the questionnaire, everybody answers it, and you get your numbers back. It's a study because we we dig in to what our data mean, what your company is doing, what your organization um, has going on, what changes have been going on. Um, you can't get the full value out of an engagement survey without that interaction with the with the provider, which is us in this case. What what we what the way that we give you the full value um, out of a survey and out of the study that we conduct is we have to understand more about what's going on at your organization, and our whole team here does a great job of doing that. Before I even come into the picture, uh, our our business advisors and, and other consultants um, already kind of know the co- the company, usually the organization, and they share that with me and then I get to know uh, the client organization. And we take the results of the survey, which is just one aspect of the study that we conduct. We take the results of that survey. We analyze it in a way that is unique to the organization. So we understand what's going on at your organization, not just on average all over the world. Um, so we take the results and we apply them to what's going on at your organization. We we discuss them and we debrief them. We, we explain the results to the client based on what's going on at their organization and our relationship with them and their what they've told us about the relationships going on in their organization. So yeah, um, you can get, as a leader, you can kind of get off the shelf online probably for free. You can get some um, some engagement products where you can do a, a survey. And we, yeah, we, that can tell leaders something, but without without understanding where that survey came from, without understanding the sort of the validation pathway that was taken to uh, to build that survey, and without understanding how those results apply to a unique organization, the value is very limited. So, right, we, we have put a lot of work into knowing exactly what our survey does and, and sort of building it from scratch to do exactly what we need it to do and to uncover the most important things that we can discuss with an organization to figure out how to take action. One of the things that we do with our study is we do some statistical analyses that give us some uh, some clues about what are the top drivers. What I call the top drivers, they are the things that if leadership can improve these drivers, that's going to have an outsized impact on their engagement, uh, on the engagement levels of their employees. So those we, we measure 15 different things, 15 different um things that we call drivers that management can sort of take action on to, to boost engagement, that the literature has shown, what our research has shown, are huge um, drivers of engagement. And each organization has a unique mix of the importance of each of those drivers? or is every- No, that's, that's right. So if you get online and read some stuff about engagement, you'll hear all kinds of organizations saying these are the top drivers. These are the top five. These are the top seven. These are the top ten. 
And on average, those things can be can be helpful, but for each organization, it's a different mix of the top top five that we usually pull out. I mean, we rank them all in order, but top three, top five, um, it's always different. And even on different teams in the same organization, there can be different mixes of drivers. Hey, did you know we have a magazine? Visit us on the web at bbtleadershipinstitute.com and click the link on our homepage. And while you're there, make sure to click the subscribe button in the top right-hand corner of your browser. This will make sure that you get our quarterly newsletter, which includes magazine announcements and new articles, white papers, videos, and much, much more. If you love this podcast, I guarantee you'll enjoy that quarterly newsletter. For more information on today's podcast or for today's show notes, visit us on the web at bbtleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of the BBT Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.